Psalm number eight. A sort of setting for this psalm might be late at night, lying down, just looking up at the moon and the stars. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you're mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the work of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Good evening. It'll help to have your Bible uh, close to hand because we'll be flicking a little bit back and forth tonight. In 1969, uh, Samuel Beckett wrote a play entitled Breath. Uh, It lasts for 35 seconds. Uh, It starts with a black stage. Uh, A couple of seconds in, uh, a dim light appears over the top of a pile of rubbish. It's got broken furniture, twisted metal, food scraps, bits of meat lying there. Then a sound, uh, half an alarm, half a scream, and then three gasping, wheezing breaths, and then another scream before the light fades and the play ends. I was going to play it for you. Uh, You can find it on YouTube if you want, Uh, but it's it's distressing. It's gut-wrenching to watch it. Uh, That is Beckett's view of mankind. Uh, That's what people are. A pile of rubbish that breathes for a moment uh, between two screams and then disappears. Is he right? Is that what it means to be human? Is that what a human is? Just a bundle, this sack of flesh that disappears in an instant? Or are we uh, like one of the animals, uh, just another mammal? Or are we more than that? That's what Psalm 8 uh, tackles tonight. But it doesn't tackle it from an intellectual perspective, from the perspective of philosophy. Uh, It approaches that question from the perspective of awe. The perspective of awe. Uh, Have a look at how uh, Psalm 8 starts. Uh, This is uh, lesson number one of Hebrew poetry. Uh, We're going to be spending our semester in uh, Psalms. And so lesson one is the refrain. Uh, You see it there at the start and finish of this psalm, Psalm 8. Yahweh our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Right there, you know, just like a good essay, 
It's there at the start, in the introduction. It's there at the conclusion. Uh, And so you know that everything between the two uh, is about that idea. How incredible is our God? It's the same when we sing, uh, How Great is Our God? Like that song, Behold Our God. It's not that there's an answer to the question, How Great is Our God? The psalmist is just astonished. He's just amazed. How majestic is the name of Yahweh in all the earth, everywhere you look, for all people everywhere. Yahweh should be adored. Can you believe this? Why? Uh, Why is he so awestruck by Yahweh? Well, uh, the middle of the psalm is going to lay that out for us. And it has to do with how God deals with people how God deals with people Uh, we're going to work our way through the psalm we're going to see that he confounds cares and crowns us he confounds people he cares for people and he crowns people firstly uh, the psalmist is awestruck because of the way that God confounds people Uh, You see there, as it gets started, uh, after the refrain, you see this astonishing contrast. Uh, Read from the second half of verse 1 with me. Uh, He says, uh, You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. See, that God has set his glory in the heavens. uh, The God who made everything the immense wonder of the Milky Way, everything. And yet, and yet, he defeats his enemies with praise. The praise of children and infants. The honour of the weak and lowly. That's what God uses. He confounds people by using weakness. And the psalmist says, it's astonishing that a God that enormous would do that, would uh, work through the praise of lowly people. Now, how does that work? How does uh, the praise of the weak uh, defeat God's enemies? Well, I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago, an elderly lady named Faye was interviewed at the Rosalie Congregation, another congregation of St. Matt's. Uh, Faye has... uh, lived a long life serving the Lord in uh, lots of places uh, overseas. Uh, now she uh, serves in the St Matthew's creche, uh, looking after uh, little kids so that women, like my wife, can go to Bible study uh, and uh, grow to know God better through that. Anyway, uh, Roger was interviewing her about her life, about the many ways that God had been faithful to her, seen her through difficult times, her experience serving the Lord uh, the good times, the blessings, uh, the struggles. And at one point, reflecting on all this, uh, Faye said, if Richard Dawkins and all that lot were right here and they tried to tell me that God isn't real, they wouldn't have a hope. It's like, yeah, classic, classic Faye there. <laughs> In the eyes of the world, right, Faye is weak. She's, she's growing old. She doesn't have this glittering career or an empire that she's built to point to. She appears weak, but she's not naive. It's just that God has done something. 
He's made it so that she sees something that the powerful of the world refuse to see. She can recognise that he is God, that he has made the heavens, that he's glorious. And so from her lips, Yahweh draws praise. And God's opponents are stuck. They're absolutely stuck. Dawkins wouldn't have a hope. God confounds people by using weakness. And we see exactly that uh, at work, that same principle in the life of Jesus. Uh, If you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to be doing a couple of flicks back and forth. Uh, Just take it as an opportunity to zone out, flick some pages. Uh, Matthew 21, it's in the New Testament, so you need to flick that way. Jesus is uh, coming to the end of his ministry. Uh, He's gone to Jerusalem and he's cleared the temple. Uh, Verse 14, we'll pick it up, Matthew 21. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. He quotes Psalm 8 to them. He he quotes Psalm 8 to them and he says, uh, right there, it's, it's literally the children who can recognise Jesus, recognise the wonderful things that he's doing. Uh, the blind too, they recognise Jesus. They go to him uh, for the wonderful things that he's do, uh, doing. But the leaders who are there, they see it as a challenge to their authority. They're indignant. And Jesus says, haven't you ever read Psalm 8? This is how God works. He confounds people by using weakness. The praise of the humble is his weapon of choice. That's how God works. And the psalmist says, it's amazing. How great is our God? How majestic is his name in all the earth? God confounds people. But he also cares for people. Uh, I should have said, keep your finger in Psalm 8. We're going to flick back there now. I'm hearing lots of big, heavy flops. Well done if you kept your finger in Psalm 8. Have a look at the next contrast there in verses 3 and 4. Like Tim said, the psalmist is is looking up at the heavens uh, on a starry night. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. He's just blown away. It's incredible. Uh, If our galaxy, uh, the Milky Way, was roughly the size of Australia, so imagine that, so all of Australia, that's our Milky Way, Uh, then our solar system, so that's our sun and all the planets, our solar system would be the size of this coffee cup uh, within the Milky Way. And the rest of Australia, that's, that's the Milky Way. We're, we're the coffee cup. 
No, that's not Earth. That's the solar system. Earth is in there somewhere. A tiny little uh, drop of coffee. Uh, that's us. And within the Milky Way, uh, there's 200 billion other coffee cups, other star systems, solar systems like ours. And how many galaxies are there in the universe? Like more than 100 billion. More than 100 billion Australias with 200 billion coffee cups within them. Doesn't that just <laughs> spin you out? It's the, you stop being able to fathom those numbers, right? What is, what's a billion? Make it 100 billion. There's, it's just so enormous, the size of the universe, the scope of it. And we're in here somewhere. We're a drop of coffee. And the psalmist looks up and sees all of that and says, isn't it incredible that you care for us? That you care for us. Incredible. Later in the psalm, Psalm 139, uh, the psalm will say, to God, that you knit me together in my mother's womb. What kind of care and attention that God pays to you within the whole universe that he's made. He cares for you. It's absolutely mind-blowing that God would show that kind of care for us, that he would even consider us, but he does. Amazing. How great is our God? How majestic is his name in all the earth? But for the psalmist, it's not just in the fact that God made us and that in all the universe he cares for us and that he knows us. You see his, his care, the way that he considers us, especially in the way that he crowns us. He confounds people, he cares for people, and he crowns people. Have a look at verses 5 to 8. We're going to read them out. Psalm 8, 5 to 8. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Uh, Psalm 8 is, is singing this song and it's like, a poetic retelling of Genesis 1.26. Uh, because it's an easy passage to flick to, Genesis 1 is the first chapter of the Bible. We're going to flick uh, across there. Keep your finger in Psalm 8. Yeah, I remembered to give you the warning. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. This is what uh, God says uh, as he makes uh, mankind in the account of creation. Then God said... Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. See, God's care for us begins at the very beginning when he crowns us as rulers over his creation. He's the creator, he's, he's the true ruler, and yet he crowns us as kings and queens to rule creation under him. The way that Aslan uh, crowns the Pevensi children as kings and queens of Narnia. 
And Psalm 8 tells us that it's a position of great glory and honour, that mankind isn't a pile of rubbish that is here a moment and then disappears. Uh, Yes, we're created, we're creatures, uh, but we're not just animals, we're made in God's image. We have a purpose and a significance that comes from being made in God's image and he crowns us with this special job. He gives us a value that goes beyond the animals. He's given us this role to care for the world that he's made. It's an an amazing thing. Amazing thing. And there's a lot that we could say about the implications of that uh, for life. If that's true of us, that we have this special position, it means we have a a great responsibility to care for the world that God's made. Uh, We certainly uh, can't just ravage it and destroy it Uh, The environment uh, matters. But at the other extreme, we shouldn't uh, pretend that that nature is a god, this this thing that we're just, uh, you know, equal with and part of, and if only uh, people could butt out, then uh, nature would restore itself to perfection. No, uh, God has created the world with a need for people to rule over it well. He's given it to us for our good use, to manage it properly and to use it as a good gift from him. And so Psalm 8 uh, would have us uh, do that well, to avoid the extremes of exploiting nature or treating it like God. But the thing that Psalm 8 doesn't go on uh, to think about is is really the reality of that. Yes, God made us uh, rulers to care for his world. But the fact is, if you look around the world, uh, we stuff it up, don't we? If we're meant to care for the environment, don't we stuff that up? Uh, In 1986, uh, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the USSR suffered a catastrophic meltdown. Over 30 people died from the blast and then from radiation poisoning and the nuclear fallout that uh, went across Eastern Europe is still having an effect on people and land to this day. And that event is a picture of human rule over creation gone wrong. For a start, how incredible is it? Nuclear power is just amazing that we could harness such power from from creation, that we could understand nuclear physics and build such a thing uh, is incredible. But the design had flaws and so they had to do some tests and uh, so during a shutdown they were running these extra tests to see if they could work out the problems that they knew were there. Uh, But as they were doing the the shutdown and the tests, the operators uh, turned off some safety controls that should have been on. And there were other design flaws that they didn't know about which came into play. And so for all of our mastery of creation, our rule is flawed and it's writ large in something like that because you had this huge meltdown because of lots of different problems. The limitations of the design, but also just human sin because of... uh, Greed that drives us beyond our capacities because of laziness and vanity. Uh, The fact that we can't work together or submit to authority. 
We can't manage our world the way that we ought to. And so you see something of the glory and honour that God has given us, but then it's brokenness as well. And so sometimes you see us rule well, and we've got the RSPCA, and that's great, caring for animals. But we, we need that because there's so much animal cruelty going on, right? And we have an EPA, Environmental Protection Authority, uh, here in Australia, and that's good, uh, caring for the world that God has given us. But we need that, don't we? Because otherwise we just dump all our rubbish in the ocean because it would be cheaper, it would be better and easier and we wouldn't care about anyone else or the world that God's made and we stuff it up. And you see that all the time. Our glory and honour that God has given us and our failure to live it out. But that's not all the Bible has to say about mankind. For our final turn of the night, we're almost there, let's flick from Psalm 8, or maybe you're still at Genesis 1, uh, across to Hebrews 2, chapter 5. Uh, Hebrews is one of the letters of the New Testament, um, so you need to go quite a way towards the back if you want to find that. So Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. Here the writer of the Hebrews is trying to point out the foolishness of worshipping angels, which seems to be going on. Uh, instead of worshipping Jesus, uh, maybe they thought, well, Jesus is a man and angels are spiritual beings, so they're going to be better. Um, and so Hebrews 2 quotes Psalm 8 to show why they should worship Jesus. Here it is, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5. It says, It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, Psalm 8, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. See that? We don't see our world subject to human rule the way it should be. We see it stuffed up. We see Chernobyl. We don't see loving, obedient rule by us but we do see Jesus. He was made like us, God himself becoming a man, lower than the angels, but now crowned with glory and honour. Why? Why? Because he suffered death. If you want to know what a, a human really is, if you want to know what it really means to be truly human, then you look at Jesus. The true human. Don't watch Samuel Beckett's play. That is not it. Jesus is the one. He is what true humanity looks like. And the key is his obedience. Obedient to death on a cross. True humanity is found in obedience to God. A life lived rightly under God's rule 
obedient to him. And take a look at the impact of Jesus' obedience as a man, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. See, Jesus' obedience as a man, all the way to death on a cross, what it does is it saves us from the punishment for our disobedience, the fact that we haven't ruled God's world properly under him. And so the true man tastes death for the sake of failed mankind. And Psalm 8 would say, sing it with me. How great is our God. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Isn't this incredible? That God would do that. Not just that he made us. Not just that he cares for us out of the whole creation that he's made in all the universe. Not just that. Not just that he crowns us with that great responsibility to care for his world, but that when we stuff it up, he sends Jesus to rescue us, to die in our place. How great is our God? How majestic is your name in all the earth? So as a Christian reads Psalm 8, uh, we don't just wonder at how God deals uh, with us in giving us this, uh, crowning us with this role, but we wonder at Jesus, that God would go that extra step and we direct our praise to him for what he's done, for how he's rescued us. Our response should be to praise Jesus with everything that we are, to shout his majestic name loudly and widely, to proclaim the good news of Jesus, to to let people know that this is what's happened, that God has given us so, so much and rescued us because of Jesus. So many in our world think that Samuel Beckett is right, that we're nothing more than a pile of rubbish that's here for a moment and so we may as well enjoy life because it's short and it goes nowhere. And they desperately squeeze whatever they can out of those few short breaths. But we have wonderful news to share with them. Great, great news about a God who cares deeply for his world. Deeply enough to crown us as rulers under him. And deeply enough to rescue us when we fail to do that ourselves and you know what psalm 8 also tells us that our praise will be something that god uses our wonder at the gospel our astonishment our songs of praise to jesus will be what god uses to silence people who say that god is dead that he doesn't matter our praise our announcement of the gospel uh, in all of its weakness will be what God uses uh, to rescue people that he has made and deeply cares for. Will you pray with me? Father God, please help us to meditate deeply on these words of Psalm 8, to know what it means uh, to be human and to rightly give our praise and honour to you for all that you've done, especially through the life 
and death and resurrection of your son, Jesus. I pray for this in his name. Amen.